0: from the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 106.1 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 106.1 ESPN. With the first pick in the 2023 NBA draft, the San Antonio Spurs select... Victor Wenbanyama from Nantar, France. Victor Wenbanyama sharing this moment with his family. Every phone in this arena is out capturing this historical moment because he is perhaps the greatest prospect to ever walk across this stage. He heads to San Antonio following in the footsteps of fellow Frenchman Tony Parker, who he idolized growing up.
1: Well, what do you think of that statement right there? The greatest prospect to ever walk across the stage of an NBA draft. Wow. I'm all for hyperbole and embellishment and Pollyannish comments, but that one seems a little over the top to me. Does it to you? I'm all in on Victor Wembanyama being the number one pick, 7'5", 8' foot, foot wingspan. He's going to turn the san antonio spurs back into champs like tim duncan did and like david robinson did but i'm not sure i'm willing to say he's the greatest prospect to ever walk across the stage of an nba draft welcome to the sports shuttle for a friday afternoon bob black with you here hosting remotely aj in our espn richmond studios yeah we're gonna break it down we're gonna break down the nba draft from last night as part of our program this afternoon and we're going to take you down a few other sports paths today as well and would love for you to be driving that vehicle to do so with us today on that path and uh, look i use that analogy for a reason by the way today the whole vehicle car roadway thing you all know uh and if you're a first time listener you're going to learn really quickly thank you for finding us and hope you stay locked in Oh, 106.1 ESPN. But, you know, I'm a Philly guy and I have been following the events in Philadelphia the last 10 days or so with the bridge collapse on I-95 on that northeast corridor that is one of the most heavily traveled routes in the country. I-95, which we have great disdain for in our region of the country and always has the backups and the traffic jams and the parking lots going north, going south, doesn't really matter the time of day. Well, when they had that horrible accident in Philadelphia, I guess almost two weeks ago, they didn't think they were going to get I-95 open for like three months. And it was really going to be a problem, not just for commuters, in philadelphia but more importantly where it would hit home for us even in central virginia would be the supply chain issues that we've been dealing with since the pandemic this would have been for a whole nother reason because the trucks just couldn't get where they needed to go north or south because that is one of the most heavily traveled truck routes in the country and it had been a real concern up there in philadelphia and they did a remarkable thing in about 10 days They were able to get temporary lanes built and open, three lanes in each direction to get traffic flowing again in less than 10 days. It was a remarkable project by the city of Philadelphia, the Department of Transportation, the federal government. I'm really going off point here, but it really was amazing. They set up a live stream that people could watch, and people were watching it day and night. I watched some of it. And I watched some of it today because they reopened those lanes. Six temporary lanes across that bridge were reopened, and now they'll begin construction of the permanent structure working outside in. It, it was really a remarkable thing. And I don't want to get too far off path here. And to bring it back into the sports world, not only because of my analogy about take us down a different road with your topic, but when they reopened it ceremonially at noon today – The first vehicles to go across it were a couple of Philadelphia fire trucks. And on top of the fire trucks were all of the Philadelphia sports team's mascots. That's how big a sports city Philadelphia is. They're reopening this major artery to the entire eastern seaboard, literally from Maine to Miami, Florida, And the first vehicle to go across it contained the Philly Fanatic and the Eagle mascot and Gritty from the Flyers and all of that. How good a sports city is that when they do that? Anyway. My point here being, you can take us down a different road today if you would like as well. That may be the most off-tangent I have ever gone on this program, and I go off-tangent an awful lot. A little. 80- a little. <laughs> but you liked that story, didn't you, AJ? Come on,
0: man. You know what's funny? You gave me enough time to finish what I was doing producer-wise, <laughs> so I appreciate that oh, story my very much. Go Phillies.
1: Well, well, I'm glad I could be helpful for you there, but I, I have crossed that pathway many a time in Northeast Philadelphia, and it, 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 tragically, now tragically there was a truck that, that went off the side of the embankment over the bridge, and it burned, and when it burned, the heat of the flames melt, literally melted the bridge. Tragically, the truck driver died, so I'm not trying to make fun of it at all, but fortunately it wasn't any worse than that because it happened on a Sunday morning at about 6, 6.30 in the morning when the streets were, were relatively quiet, but it really was a remarkable uh, effort by all of the construction folks and the governments to get that project done. So in all seriousness, kudos to them for that. But I did find it um, pretty interesting that they used the Philly sports team's mascots as the first ones to cross the structure when it opened at noon today i figured it would be the mayor of philadelphia the governor of pennsylvania uh the secretary of transportation you know people like that uh that was a great call uh, everybody loves the mascots whether you're a democrat republican independent whatever you love the mascots so they were the first ones to cross the bridge
0: but you're very far you for the course for a city that worships a fictional character statue
1: that would be rocky they should have put rocky on top of that fire engine too pal don't you start messing with my city now all right rocky's coming after you not to mention the philly fanatic coming after you too but anyway all right again i digress and you're making me digress even further aj so you're getting involved in this thing here now you know but what i was trying to say is 804-327-0888 and you can take us on a different road in the sports world, if you'd like today, but we are opening with the NBA draft, and we're going to talk a lot about that in the first half hour. But I would say this, AJ: there, there was. I'm, I'm trying. Give me something in maybe the the cinematic movie world that would compare to like the lack of drama that surrounded that number one pick. Like that was as obvious as I, I don't know what my analogy is here, but there was there was no suspense, right? There was there was no drama. And who the number one pick was going to
0: be, right? Well, I don't know if this analogy works, but the thing that comes to mind is the abomination of the last Transformers movie I watched, which basically (laughs) did every single thing they've done before, acting like it was horrible. So, uh, no drama in that, no surprise. Uh, Yeah.
1: Okay. That being said,
0: I thought the rest of the
1: draft was rather dramatic. Starting with the two and three picks, right? Which is where I was headed, as a matter of fact. We didn't even talk about that in our pre-show production meeting. But, yes, that's where I was headed was for the lack of drama that there was in pick one. I think the only drama of pick one was that the Spurs used all five minutes on the clock before making the pick. Now, they may have been told to do that, like, from a network standpoint, from ABC and ESPN and the NBA. They might have said, look, we all know who you're taking, but when the clock starts... Just sit back, kick your heels up, put your hands behind your head for a little bit and relax. Now, Wembayana, on the other hand, called it the longest five minutes of his life, which I could certainly understand, like maybe something at the 11th hour goes astray or something like that, but it didn't. And even the commissioner, and you heard him on our open, kind of pause for a second or two before he made the announcement, but... Even that didn't add any more suspense to the situation. But If then, I was
0: producing that show, I would have done the same thing. Yeah. You build suspense, five minutes of people talking. Ooh, wait, what does this mean? What does this mean? Of yeah, course, let I, Stephen I A. run his mouth.
1: Yeah, <laughs> exactly. He needs more than five minutes, but okay. But I agree with you. I mean, I, And I think that's traditional. No matter what sport we're watching, when we watch the NFL draft, even if we know who the number one pick is, they wait the same amount of time. Also, It makes sense. It's a made-for-TV event now give TV their time to take care of business, um, as long as that's all it is. Like, you know, when they do the NCAA basketball announcement, I do get frustrated at that, at how they drag that out over the entire uh, first half hour of that show. But it was fine, and we all knew that. Then the suspense, as you said, AJ, came with picks two and three, and we're going to get into that a little bit more as we move along this afternoon. So I want to stay on point even though I was way off point in the first five minutes or so, because we got some great guests coming up. And I think we have some pretty interesting topics to talk about as well today on a Friday as we get you into the weekend. We've had a ton of rain again today. Uh, There's probably a little bit more on the way. I know squirrels are home with a doubleheader tonight. They're going to try and get that in starting at 5 o'clock. So we'll keep an eye on the weather out our window as well. And we'll try to get you into your sporting weekend as best we can. Here's how we're going to do it on this afternoon. In the
0: sports huddle here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle just a huge fan of sports this is the river city, rundown. River, city rundown. river
1: city rundown river city rundown brought to you by our friends the richmond chapter of the american red cross we urge our listeners to support the local rva community by volunteering your services or donating blood to the red cross to learn how you can help during this critical time visit redcross.org. All right, coming up right after the break, Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post is going to join us. He has become a regular contributor to this program and primarily during the NBA postseason, during the playoffs and championship run by the Denver Nuggets, and now into the NBA draft. And we will start our conversation with him about the drama of picks two and three in the NBA draft. And he wrote about that today in the Washington Post. So Jerry Brewer is going to join us right after the break. In the five o'clock hour, perhaps you saw the announcement, University of Richmond Richmond has its new baseball coach. He is Mick Aoki out of Moorhead State. But that's only the tip of the iceberg of Coach Aoki's resume. Former head coach at Notre Dame, at Boston College, and at Columbia University in the Ivy League. So he brings a wealth of experience, a wealth of victories to the University of Richmond in hopes of getting the Spiders back to the NCAA tournament for the first time in what will be more than 20 years. Since 2003 have the Spiders been to the NCAA tournament. So Mick Aoki will make his Richmond radio debut with us this afternoon live at 5.30. 804-327-0888 on the program this afternoon. Let's get that first time out in. We'll get back to NBA Draft Talk with Jerry Brewer of the Washington Post.
0: Joins us next on the Sports Huddle. Atlanta's best are on the diamond and we've got the action live. Every Atlanta Braves broadcast is here on your home for the Atlanta Braves. One zero six one ESPN Richmond.
1: Traffic reports on
0: 106.1 Definitively, once again, here is Commissioner so With the second pick in the 2023 NBA Draft, the Charlotte Hornets select Brandon Miller from the University of Alabama. That's
1: where the drama began in the 2023 NBA Draft, not with the first pick. As we talked about in our first segment, that was a foregone conclusion as monumental As it may have been, but certainly the drama and the suspense surrounded picks two and three from the Hornets and the Blazers and Mitch Kupchak had mentioned they had it down to two, still considering the possibility of a trade that didn't happen. And the Hornets went with Alabama's Brandon Miller. Let's find out how that went down with our guy, Jerry Brewer, from the Washington Post, who has become a regular guest with us on the Sports Huddle here on one oh six one ESPN, and we're glad he's back with us on this Friday afternoon. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm doing
2: great. How are you?
1: Doing fine, thanks. Appreciate some more time from you today to talk some more NBA. So how much suspense was there for you, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, Hornets, Blazers, and how it went down last night with the second and third picks? We'll get back to number one a little bit later.
2: Yeah, um, I, I, I uh, I think even though the Hornets have LaMelo Ball, um with them being in 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 this state where it's going to be a while before they're a high level contender i would have uh, just done done the talent stacking thing and and um picked scoot henderson um hmm. i just think flat out he's going to be he's got more star potential um than brandon miller and and uh, i think his skills um Translate to high-level play in the NBA quicker uh, than, than Brandon Miller, even though he's such a great shooter and so skilled. Uh, so I, I thought that was a missed opportunity there by the Hornets to think differently. But th- that said, I understand it because it's a cleaner—it's a cleaner type move. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers were absolute winners in this and in getting um, the kind of prospect that. Um, isn't going to come to Portland in a free agency and is really hard to get your hands on in any draft. The problem with that becomes they they're, they're continue to be the land of little guards, and now they have three of them, three little guards who all want to score as many points as they possibly can if you include Dame and Anthony Simons with Scoot. And so something's got to give. Uh, it's time, as I wrote today, mm-hmm. uh, for Portland and for Damian Lillard to admit Uh, that it's in the best interest of both of them to move on.
1: Where do you think he would move on to? What would be the appropriate landing spots for for Dame?
2: If if I'm Dame um, and I'm the Miami Heat, I want to make that happen. I think the Heat have enough assets, you know, in terms of um, – getting clever about draft capital. They have Tyler Harrow or they have the expiring contract of of Kyle Lowry. Um, other guys like Duncan Robinson and such, like contract filler. I, I think they could make a deal there. Uh, Miami with uh, Dame as their best score to go with the substance, the all-around play that you get from um, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Uh, I really love that, that threesome. Um, and you know, because of the heat, they're going to continue to get value out of undrafteds and second round picks and um, late first round picks and all of that. So I wouldn't have a, any issue about them filling out the roster. They've been to the finals, what, two times in the last four years um, and really haven't come close to winning either. Uh, they got a talent problem. Uh, they don't have a coaching problem. Uh, they have two fine bookend stars with, with uh with Butler and Bam, but they need more, and uh, especially now that Spo um, has been willing to alter his defensive system to play more zone to get more skilled guys on the floor, um, Dane being not a great defender, uh, I think he he's figured out in his strategy how to manipulate that, so you don't have to be a great defender at the point of attack. I think he'd just be just be a fantastic uh addition for the miami heat and if he doesn't go to miami i think um you know a team like the brooklyn nets um are probably the best position uh to go after him but brooklyn's had such bad luck when they've really tried to hit a home run and get a marquee star especially one the ones who are on the other side of 30 uh so if i'm brooklyn i, I probably want to stay with uh you know what they've been able to build post KD and Kyrie. Jerry,
1: do you think the the Bla- I know you said you you know you felt like the Blazers won out on that thing. Do you think the Blazers were in that boat as well when they heard the name Brandon Miller go to the Hornets that they felt as good about that as you just articulated to us?
2: Oh yeah, I think I think absolutely. Yeah, it, it opens up a whole boatload of troubles. They tried to trade that three pick. Nobody was going to give them a star who was worthy of um giving up Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. But I think Scoot Henderson was the guy mm-hmm. all along that they wanted, even if that means losing game. Uh because, you know, now you look at them, Scoot, Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, that's one hell of a young trio to build around. And if you if you do wind up uh emotionally it would be difficult for Trailblazers fans Um, but their run with Dame is over. They made the playoffs eight straight years with Dame, lost in the first round five of those times, only had advanced as far as the Western Conference Finals once, I believe, in 2019. Um, they've traded CJ McCollum already. Uh, they, you know, the last two years, they're 60 and 104, um, Mm -hmm. haven't even come close to the playoffs, and Dame has missed a bunch of games now as, as he gets deeper into his 30s. Uh, He's one player. Like, it wouldn't be a Bradley Beal-type deal, right? Like, you would get multiple first-round picks per game. Hmm. Um, he just averaged 32 a game last year. Um, you would be able to get good value for him, even though he's got such a robust contract, and even though teams are afraid of, like, the new collective bargaining agreement. Um, you got those three guys, and then you get more draft assets, and then maybe you're back in the top five or six, of the draft next year and you're able to get another player, preferably someone um, who plays, you know, in the post, uh, all of a sudden, like, I start looking at more pathways for the Blazers to keep their books in check and build a team that has momentum. What's not going to work is you can't have two timelines. Look at what the Warriors tried to do. And I know they won a title last year, but... um, now they're paying for the sins of instead of maximizing their window with Steph, Clay, Draymond, um, trying to like manipulate it and think about their future. Um, you can't plan for the future uh, when you're a championship team like they were trying to do. You need to pick one side. Um, and so if the, if the Warriors, who over the last decade have been better than anyone at this stuff, um, couldn't do it, You damn sure can't do it if you're the Portland (laughs) Trailblazers. And you definitely don't want to do it um, when it's like a low ceiling to what you could do. Who wants to to keep Dame? You're talking about um, paying Jeremy Grant five years for $150 million. Who wants to do that? He's a good player, not a $150 million player. Um, Trading um, Simons trading two of the three, Simon, Scoot, um, and Sharp to get another veteran. Um, why do you want to do that? Like, if, if, Let's say, like, by some miracle, you got Dame, Jalen Brown, and Jeremy Grant. You think that that threesome is going to beat the Denver Nuggets? You think that trio is going to beat the Phoenix Suns? <laughs> you know, uh, if the Warriors are healthy, you think that trio is going to beat the Warriors? You think that trio has more life? Than the Sacramento Kings, now that they've reemerged, no. Um, so they would be trying to build something, and they would still wind up being no better than the fourth or fifth, sixth seed in the West. Um, and that's just like a, a mismanagement of resources. It's better mm-hmm. to get your entire team on the same timeline. Dame is, a, is at least four years older than your next, Oldest contributor, and for most of that roster, they're between 19 and 25. Dame's about to be 33, uh, so like it's getting to the level where it's like, why, why would Dame? Why do you want Dame to play with someone who could, you know, Kuti Anderson could damn near be his son? <laughs> so why would you want that? Um, and and then why would Dame want to play with a bunch of kids when in the NBA, you know, you got to suffer before you thrive.
1: <laughs> you can read even more of Jerry Brewer's perspective on Dame Lillard and Scoot Anderson and the Trailblazers. Uh, Catch his column in this morning's Washington Post and online at washingtonpost.com sports. All right, let's go back up to the top then, Jerry, to uh, where there was no suspense, the Victor Wembanyama picked by the San Antonio Spurs. In your estimation, how generational of a talent is this that the Spurs now have?
2: Oh man, you know I've never seen a player uh, with, with his skill set. You know, legitimate guard skill set, and someone who they're saying is seven foot five uh, in shoes. Um, you know, the the problem. You obviously worry about a guy who can move like that. You know, on that frame, like, will his frame be sturdy enough? But let's say he is going to be healthy enough to have a ten-year career, um, at least. I, I think you're talking about all star m v p candidate you know um best player on a on a championship team maybe best player on a team that has a has a chance to be a dynasty if you build around him properly he he's that good I mean we've seen lebron um you know people old enough remember uh when when kareem when Lou Alcindor, uh came to the n b a um we we remember shaq and what what a phenomenon he was we remember um and Tim Duncan coming to to get with David Robinson and and, and forming that Twin Towers uh Olajuwon, Kevin Durant, um you you just uh, Patrick Ewing, uh you, you go down the list of of like these freshmen who are incredibly hyped coming in and they all become good players. Uh you know, I mean, the 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 ones who don't uh are like uh, Walton because he was hurt, but but Walton was a great player and influenced the championship team um, when he was healthy. Uh, and and uh, Ralph Sampson, um, you know, the knee and you know injuries kind of got to him. But was Ralph Sampson not great uh, when he was healthy? Like I, I I don't I don't see a scenario with this kid on how we look back and and be like, oh man, that was a bust like Darko Milicic. Um, no, I think he's going to be great. Uh, I do worry about how tremendous and over the top this 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 hype is. You no, know, like I mean, we got ESPN reporters, we got Marty Smith shaving his image into his head and wearing <laughs> jorts and all this stuff um, at a at a San Antonio party, and it's just like, man, like, um, like let's let's have some nuance here. Um, There are some steps to this that this guy is going to have to go through. Let's not treat him like he's going to come in and be top five in the MVP in year one. But he could be the rare rookie who is an Mm -hmm. all-star as a rookie. Um, I definitely could see that. Um, So I'm excited for him. I just like, I I think the NBA is just, um, there's no middle ground. You're, You're either hot or you're not. They either love you or they hate you. And I'm interested to see how he manages all that, but he's something that we haven't seen on the floor. And in terms of like his mass appeal, I think he could be a central figure in getting basketball a little closer to soccer worldwide as, as the most popular sports in the world.
1: And he's only 19 years old for, to be yes. as well. Yeah, <laughs> really. Crazy. I mean, just
2: and great temperament. Yep. Uh, he's not boring. Like 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 Duncan, we'll see if the Spurs, like, <laughs> spurify him. Yeah. But uh, he's just compelling. Like, I think we're going to turn on the TV. If he's good, I think we're going to turn on the TV and see him in, like, every ad. And I think people are going to like him.
1: Jerry, he was one of uh, one, two, three. Four. Five of the top seven picks were non-college guys. Now, after that, the college guys pretty much dominated. But is that something that we're going to continue to see from NBA teams that they're going to they're going to look to G League guys to the these organizations like Overtime Elite to find these young quote unquote generational talents?
2: Yeah, it was interesting to see that top four, right? Like, I mean, the, the top four, the top five. Let's count the Thompson Twins as a packet. You know, that, that that was from four different leagues. You know, mm-hmm. the, the French League and then the uh, G League at night. Um, uh, Brandon Miller being a college player. The Thompson Twins being from overtime elite. Uh, it used to be that, like, college was the dominant pathway uh, to being a lottery pick. And, like, I still think college is the preferred route if you're going to be a first rounder in the NBA. Um but yeah, we're gonna see more of this man. Like it it's uh definitely like in terms of how you develop prospects, it's been decentralized. And college basketball, like that's another conversation for later, but they need to adjust to that. Um if you wanna continue to have a compelling product. Uh but um it's it's interesting. Like it, it in some ways it, it's kind of minimize like the mass appeal to an American audience of the draft because we just don't see most of these guys. But I think they can they can correct that with with TV contracts and streaming options and, and those kinds of things. So it, if more guys go to different places, so that we're able to see that. But it's 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 a new day. Like I, I never thought we would see a day this soon when you would sit down with a prospect and let's say the prospect. Has good enough grades to go to Duke, Stanford, you know, Harvard, wherever, and you're sitting there, and 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 like the kid actually loves school and all that, but you're telling them, hey man, uh, it might be better for you not to go to school. <laughs> like, I mean, just take take classes in the summer, but you're not playing college basketball. You know, you're going to go play mm-hmm. um, G League at night for these coaches, or you're going to go uh, like 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 Lamelo did to Australia and play against the pros. Um, or um, you're just going to go straight from high school to, to, to the EuroLeague because it's just better for you. Um, it's, uh, the, way, the way players access the NBA is more diverse than it's ever been, and there's going to be a big, big battle over the next decade over um, which, which league has the best plan to attract um, those kids. And I think, like, um, TV TV contracts are going to play a a big role in that. And so the NCAA better get it back together. They better watch out um, because you want to protect that product.
1: Hey, one more for you, Jerry. Appreciate the time on this Friday afternoon. Jerry Brewer with The Washington Post. And I always identify you as that because that's – Accurate, but I always remind our audience that you're a national sports reporter for the Washington Post. But I am going to close with you today and bring it a little bit closer to our region and back home. And what you think of what the Washington Wizards are doing with their franchise and their organization right now in blowing it up? Uh, whether it's Beal, Porzingis, uh, Chris Paul, who was there for you know the blink of an eye, Jordan Poole, draft picks. What the Washington Wizards are doing to you know try to reinvent themselves no matter how many years it's literally going to take them,
2: man. I tell you what I love Michael Winger and will Dawkins. Um, I some of the things that they've done in dismantling this team um, they, they've had to pay for the sins of of uh, tommy shepard and and um, of Ted Leontis for um uh wanting it the way that it used to be in terms of um not not being able to get a get a first round pick directly um in the in the bill trade um because of the no trade clause and all that like that's a tough l and and um uh I think they did a good job like working off of the Porzingis deal like getting what they could but it's still not sexy right like those are just more like we value just. Resetting our franchise, and so they did that. And like people who like want to judge the entire history of it, are going to look at that and be like, "Man, what a terrible return they got for these guys." I look at it as just a freedom mission, and I, uh, I think it's good that they've started this thing off by getting free of all of those obligations. Now, what they did in the draft, you know, starting with uh, Balau, the the French wing. Um, who was a total upside guy, uh, and then also going on on um, you know I know I won't go through all their picks, but the Serbian kid they took in the second round, um, really, really skilled and intriguing. Uh, Will Dawkins is doing uh, what he helped Sam Presti do in Oklahoma City. They're taking big swings um, with their kinds of guys. You know, um, some of them are defensive guys, some of them are just unorthodox talent. Um, and they're going to see if that can that can bear fruit. Uh, they know that this is going to be a process. The problem is is that um, we can be so fascinated with what's going to happen, what they're doing off the court, when we actually look at the on court product, they're going to stink. <laughs> you know, I mean, they're going to have a hard time winning like twenty games next year. It's going to be really difficult. Like when you look at that roster, it's going to be like Jordan Poole shooting eleven for twenty nine every night and everybody else just doing whatever, like just developing. Uh, It's not going to be a good product. Um, But I think long-term, this is a direction that I wish they had gone in three, four years earlier. Uh, And I think it's going to bear fruit because I think Will Dawkins knows talent. I would not be surprised if this uh, Bilal, this fast-rising French kid, if his body... Uh-oh. Catch it right now. There we go.
1: Sorry about that. You cut out just before that last sentence, but I think we understood where you were headed with that for sure. And I love your perspective on, you know, short-term and long-term for the Washington Wizards. So I appreciate your analysis of that as well. Jerry, appreciate a lot of time today with the draft and everything else that we've covered, and certainly through the NBA playoffs all the way to the finals and the Nuggets winning the thing. Uh, Look forward to catching up with you here in the near future. Give you a little bit of a break to catch your breath a little bit as we get into summer. But thank you, as always, for your time on our program. Really appreciate it, Jerry.
2: All right, that sounds good, man. Take it easy.
1: You got it. You too. Take it easy. You've been working hard. Jerry Brewer from the Washington Post. Who knows what he's on to next, but he's certainly been on the NBA beat for quite some time now as he covers the national sports scene for the Washington Post. What a great gig that is. And, again, the great perspective he gave us on the Trailblazers, on Pick and Scoot, on Damian Lillard's days numbered. Uh, You can read his entire article washingtonpost.com slash sports at jerry brewer on twitter the headline was great too trailblazers send unthinkable message to damian lillard time to scoot period all right that gets us to a break 4 39 already we'll catch up as we get you towards the top of the hour and five o'clock on a friday afternoon it's right there within our eyesight and it's coming quick and we're coming back after the break on one oh six one espn
0: Go Braves! The boys of summer are doing their thing in the ATL. One of the most exciting seasons ever. Stay on top of every Braves game. Here on 106.1 ESPN Richmond.
1: Well, I mentioned hyperbole and embellishment. Earlier in the program, and you might think this is going to be that, but it's not. The two hottest teams in Major League Baseball square off tonight, and one of them is the Atlanta Braves. That should not come as a surprise or a shock to anybody that even casually follows Major League Baseball. But the Braves have now won eight in a row. They swept the rain-shortened series in Philadelphia, much to my chagrin, and won in ten innings yesterday, five to one, when the Phillies just unraveled at the seams literally in the tenth inning of that game, and good teams take advantage of it. And the Braves are that. They are now twenty two games over five hundred, and they've won eight in a row. They are playing tonight, though, in front of what will be a sellout crowd in Cincinnati. It's been a long time outside of like opening day that we have said that about Cincinnati hosting a baseball game. They have Reds fever again. The big red machine and all that is back in Cincinnati where they have won 11 in a row, 11 in a row for the Cincinnati Reds. And they are hosting the Atlanta Braves in a playoff preview. I can hear that now. At the end of June, we're talking about Atlanta and Cincinnati as a playoff preview. But why not? Uh, The Reds have become probably the best story in baseball. At the start of the year, it was certainly Tampa Bay with the long winning streak that started the season. And then it was the Pittsburgh Pirates who got off to that great start. And now they have fallen back to being typical Pittsburgh Pirates. So those were, you know, probably the two best stories coming out of spring training and the first month or so of the season. The Orioles up there with them as well cuz they're having they're having a great campaign but overshadowed of course by the Rays in the American League East. And now and the Giants, I'll give the Giants some credit. They saw their 10-game or 11-game win streak, 10-game win streak snapped yesterday in a big way by the Padres, but still that that was impressive also. But the Reds have come out of nowhere and they have some good young stars and now all of a sudden Cincinnati is a baseball town again and when they're winning It's one of the best baseball towns out there. So there you go. We've got that game right here on our airwaves for you tonight. Braves and Reds from Cincinnati at 640, so 625 airtime for Braves and Reds. And then over the weekend, we will have the College World Series Championship Series between two SEC teams, much again to my dismay. I was rooting for Wake Forest last night. I don't know if you caught any of that game, but it was one of the better college baseball games you'll ever see. And it was nothing-nothing going into extra innings. How about that? Yesterday, I watched two baseball games that both were nothing-nothing going into extra innings. The baseball detractors out there, I can hear Matt Josephs now. Back-to-back games you watched that were nothing-to-nothing and you stuck with them? Well, I did on the Phillies-Braves game. That was nothing-nothing going into the 10th inning. I will admit, I didn't catch the first seven innings or so of the Wake Forest LSU game. But I was... I was gripped to the TV after that. As they went into extra innings, walk-off homer by a former NC State guy coming back to burn one of his ACC rivals in Wake Forest. Two great hitting teams, and the pitching dominated last night in Omaha. Great atmosphere, great game. I wish Wake had won. I was rooting for the Demon Deacons. I'm not all that fired up about LSU um, and an all-SEC final in the College World Series, but it will be Florida and LSU, and I'll be rooting for the Gators. I hope Florida uh, which was the number two seed behind Wake Forest, wins the whole thing. Anyway, you'll hear those games. It's Saturday night, I think Sunday afternoon, and then if necessary Monday night for the College World Series. It's the best two out of three. It's all SEC final between Florida and LSU, and we'll have those games for you and Braves baseball interspersed in there as well, beginning with their showdown with the Reds tonight. That's, that's phenomenal. That's a great story, the Cincinnati Reds uh, with 11 consecutive wins. All right, let's get a break in here. 447 on the Sports Huddle. We'll come back, get you to the top of the hour of an ESPN Sports Center update at 5 o'clock as we roll along on a Friday afternoon. 804-327-0888. Sports Huddle, 1061
0: ESPN. His words can move you. Seriously, they can pick you up and carry you across the room. Or maybe that was the Portergeist again. Hmm. Big Al is live weekday mornings, 8 to 10 on one oh six one ESPN, Richmond.
1: <laughs> oh, my man, AJ, if I was in the studio today, we'd be duking it out at this point. I get it. You're good. You're on your A game, man. I just told him during the break. That's it on the NBA. You know, we gave you the first 45 minutes, pretty much all NBA today. Um, and A.J. loves that. So does our our top dog producer, Robert Oley. Loves the NBA stuff. Me, eh, you know, take it or leave it. When we have Jerry Brewer on, I really like it because uh, he's really good um, with his analysis. Not that A.J. isn't. You are, too, as well. But so he goaded me into it a little more by playing the good old NBA theme music there it's not as good as the ncaa music i'll tell you that it's pretty good i'll, I'll say that much but it's it's not as good as the, the ncaa they do i agree with you they do i'm i'm not i'm not denying that for sure but no more no more nba no more nba well maybe a little bit anyway how about more basketball though i was going to bring this up and and we haven't talked about it you know all that much Uh, This week, And it's obviously been a shortened week for us, Monday being a holiday. We did Tuesday and Wednesday. Wednesday we were out at Independence. We did a lot of golf talk between the raindrops out there. And and I love the way, by the way, that it was described that uh, the first uh, Women's Open of Virginia, a wet success. And I think that captured it perfectly because it was wet, particularly on Wednesday. But I still think it was very successful. And we were thrilled to be out there and be a part of it on wednesday afternoon and then we didn't have a show yesterday because of the braves and that was even kind of interesting because we were in that kind of gray area do we do we do a show do we do part of a show do we not do a show uh with them playing you know an early afternoon game the way the pace of the game goes now it's a little quicker got that post game show that we're we're, we like running and we're obligated to run anyway Uh, and robert oley says to me you know what let's let's plan to not do it Because I just got a feeling that's the type of game that's going to go extra innings and cut into us even more. And sure enough, there it went into extra innings. You know, he might want to play the lottery a little bit this weekend because he nailed that one. So that's why we didn't we didn't have a show yesterday. Anyway, the story I was going to get to that we really have him. We touched upon. You know, what what prompted this in college basketball, you know, was what happened with Bob Huggins with the DUI and eventual resignation and apparent retirement from coaching college basketball and everyone certainly hoping that he gets the help he needs um, so that he can live his life moving forward with or without college basketball. But now the clock is ticking in a tough situation on West Virginia on what to do for their basketball coach. And when a situation like that happens now, the darn transfer portal opens back up again. This is freedom of movement again for the players. Even though the portal is technically closed for this year, when a coach leaves, it opens it up for a 30-day window for those players on that team to move if they would like. And already three West Virginia players have put their name into the portal. Now, at least one of them has said I'm in the portal, but I am going to wait and see what happens here at West Virginia. But I I do want to be able to make a move, and it's kind of hard to blame them. But it is June 23rd, which makes it very difficult. Ren Baker is the athletic director at West Virginia. He's got to move quickly here. So the names that have been rumored out there are two of the assistants, and that would be an easy thing to do. Josh Eilert is one of them, and Ron Everhart is the other. Ron Everhart of Virginia Tech, um, who was also the head coach at Duquesne, uh, amongst other stops, for a while. So he has head coaching experience. And then the other couple of names that have been mentioned there, Andy Kennedy at UAB, and he's done a good job there. Got him in the NCAA two years ago and uh, to the NIT finals this past year. And then I would think this is a hot name, and that's Pat Kelsey at College of Charleston. And the style and the way he played at Charleston, I think that would fit right in at uh, at West Virginia. Uh, now, would, would those guys pick up and leave at this point and you know, kind of dump the schools they're at in late June uh, with their players already on campus, probably going through some summer sessions, going through summer workouts? Um, this has to happen quickly. So let's keep an eye on this. At West Virginia, because that's a pretty good program. And if you can keep these guys from going in that portal, West Virginia is a team that could be heard from. Andy Kennedy, Pat Kelsey seem to be the, uh, the top choices outside of the West Virginia family at the moment. And there was another name that got thrown in there. And I'll talk more about it on the other side of the break. And you know who I'm talking about. Those of you who are Richmond people know who I'm talking about. And that's John Beeline the former West Virginia coach. Would he dare come back at 70 years of age and out of the college game for a while now to coach the West Virginia Mountaineers? That's a fascinating thought. We'll talk about that and much more in the 5 o'clock Friday hour of the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN. Okay, all